Hello, I'm Tony, and welcome to the Tony Shap Show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I have a special guest, AJ. I can't wait for him to share his story with us, and we'll have some solid value to take away. So, AJ, take a second to say hello to the audience. Hey, everyone, uh, and thank you, Tony, for having me on the show. i big fan, listening to a lot of the episodes, and really looking forward to today. Thank you, AJ. Welcome to the Tony Shap Show, and let's, let's dive right in. So let's start with the famous one-word open. What's the one word you could use right now, AJ, to describe how you're feeling in this moment? Tired. So I have two kids under two, one of which is just a, a month old. So between a high-growth startup family, um, definitely not getting the sleep that I, that I used to, but energized still, grateful to be here, but certainly tired. Awesome. Thanks for honesty. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. I have to figure I'd start with honesty. We'll end with honesty as well. Very cool. All right. Let's dive right into business. So tell us about your, your story, about your business, how you got started, where you are now and where you're going. That way we know your why, so to speak, and your story behind it. Um, so please, please uh, fire away. Yeah. So I'm the CEO of a company called Sprocket. And basically what we do is we help companies dependent on the hourly workforce hire the right people and do better selection in the hiring process. And we actually got our start when I was in school where, you know, being in a dorm room wanted to solve the most important issue to me at the time. That was helping professional sports teams pick better people in the NFL and major league baseball draft. So the very first version of Sprockets was helping those sports teams pick the best quarterbacks, pick the best pitchers and doing so all through mental makeup analysis and personality testing to be able to predict if the person could be successful at the next level. And then as we started to grow, we realized, hey, sports is really cool, but there's 150 professional sports teams roughly that can buy the software. But hey, there's 27 million small businesses that feel the same pain of selecting the right people. And we can impact a larger group of people if we were to transition the technology into that space, and that's where we are today. Excellent. Um, that, that gives a really good high-level overview, and then we'll get deeper in the, into that as well. So let's talk about a recent win that you've had that you're proud of and you want to share with people and how, what you learned from it as well. Yeah, really grateful for the team. We've been working really hard over the last couple months to, to raise some capital to accelerate our growth. Um, so during COVID, raising venture was no walk in the park, but we were able to build a syndicate of world-class VCs in San Francisco and New York, um, raise several million dollars during the pandemic, and really start to put that capital to use to accelerate our growth, impact more users, and at the end of the day, provide a better product um, for prospects that join the platform. That's really awesome. How much did you end up raising? We raised $3.4 million. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Absolutely. Especially, you know, what really got me perked up was when you talked about scaling and get ready for growth. Yeah. That's like music to my ears. And I love that because it's so exciting for me. Uh, so going on to the next side. So let's talk about something that's not so much of a win and what yep. you learned from it recently. Yeah, I, I think that it's not a singular event, but rather something that I continue to work on as a challenge is transitioning from a single founder into a CEO of a technology company. Oftentimes, you know, when you look at big CEOs of tech companies like 
Jack Dorsey at Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg, you kind of have this feeling that they've been in that seat for a long time and that they built the business and that they always meant to be in their seat that they're in now. But what I've learned is that as a solo founder, you go all of a sudden from, you know, relying and seeing success off individual heroics and efforts. And you can only, you only have to rely on yourself and all of the product of the company is really defined by what you're able to do. But as you scale the team and now we're close to 30 people and we're scaling so quickly is you have to transition from that individual contributor role, that single founder into a CEO that builds vehicles of scale empowers your team to do things and just be a better leader within your own organization. And I think from the outside, that seems really intuitive and really easy, but just going through it, I think that there's certain things that I still need to learn and uh, you know, things that I'm working to improve to, to give the business the best shot possible at hitting that venture scale. Absolutely. We're always updating our iOS, right? As people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. IOS, right. Absolutely. We have to do our, our, our uh, yeah, it's yeah. so true. Um, you know, what do you, if you, from your experience, what do you think it takes to go from zero to 500,000? And then what yep. do you think it takes to go from 500,000 uh, to, you know, seven figures and beyond? What do you think those, those two different things are from your opinion? Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, I think you can get to 500,000 just on sheer grit and willpower. Um, there's enough customers out there that you can test a bunch of different markets. You can have modest success and you can do so to get to, especially 500,000. That's what, um, you know, $42,000 of, 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 of MRR. Yeah. That's, that's something that just through pounding phones, getting your, you know, your growth to where it wants to be, you know, not, not that challenging, but getting from 500,000 to 3 million requires more than a team of four. And you really have to scale that team up and set up, as I said before, those mechanisms where you can onboard somebody who's never heard of your product, employ them, put them in the system and have them do an action time and time again in a scalable way. And that is not an easy thing. And for me, as I try to navigate this whole process, I think the most successful thing I've done is really surround myself with people who've been successful in both camps. I'm an open book, as you can probably tell. I make probably three or four phone calls to people who have been there and done that every single week and are constantly open and not only open, but chasing feedback from people I really respect to help give insights on the how to hit that venture scale. That is beautiful. And uh, just to stack on what you said, AJ, I think, you know, when you go, when you cross seven figures, you're, yep. you become a professional delegator essentially. And the right people that you have, you know, um, if you have the correct people, uh, you know, in the right seats and they're, and they're coming in and, and their role is within the realm of their capability then they love doing what they're doing and it's not really work for them. Then it's their passion that lines up with their why it's right in their wheelhouse when it comes to the capability. So to your point, that's when you have dramatic success and, you know, the wheels got to come off and you just kind of lead, you know, you got to be a great leader and show other people to be, um, you know, become leaders as well. Do you have a business coach that you work with? Um, I do not. I like to think that I have many business coaches, you know, people who I've surrounded myself with that are gracious enough to volunteer their time to hear me out on different problem sets, 
And you know, I, I'm a firm believer in specialized help. So although I feel like business coaching is a very valuable is I like to think of my business in, in fragments, right? So you have like tech, sales, demand generation, people. And I like to have different specialized coaches or mentors in each of those functional areas, because if I'm having an issue, I find a lot of success in reaching out to those people who have been doing that particular thing for you know 15 to 25 years and can get some tailored help to uh, to be able to uh, to bridge that problem and, and hopefully come up with a good solution. That was really awesome. So tell us who is the typical business that you help? Like who, what's your sweet spot and then what's the biggest difference you make for them? Yeah, so we work with um, companies with frontline workers. Um, and right now um, that's companies like McDonald's as a user, um, Chick-fil-A, um, home healthcare facilities like uh, Visiting Angels and Home Instead. You know, really anyone who has people who make the, the minimum wage, but they're customer facing, those are industries that have pervasive turnover and troubles with um, retention as it pertains to their new employees. So a lot of people don't know this, but it costs roughly $5,000 to hire, train, and replace an hourly employee. So if you're a McDonald's or a Taco Bell with 50 employees, that means you have to make 70 hires every single year. If it costs five grand to replace that, those 70 people, that's $350,000 of cost every year because of poor hiring practice. So our mission is to help reduce that number. And in our early case studies, we we're able to articulate that we reduce turnover by roughly 30%. We increase 90 day retention by 45% and we cut screening time, whether that be phone screening, in-person screening or resume screening by roughly 40%. And you know, it takes a little bit for that ROI to kind of hit your bottom line because a lot of those costs are hidden but feel like we're making a tremendous impact with our customers. And I think that our growth speaks to, you know, the, the impact we're having with, with our clients. That was beautiful. Those were some solid KPIs and use cases that you mentioned. So uh, for those of you listening, if you're a hiring manager, CEO, founder, it might be a good idea to rewind back the last 30 seconds to hear what he just said. That was some solid stuff, AJ. We, I really appreciate that. That's some solid value for our listeners. Moving on to um, if there's a question that you wish that I should ask and, you know, that you want me to ask and I haven't asked yet, what would that one question be, AJ? Yeah, I think it's why this problem, right? Um, the way we started with sports doesn't really articulate why I'm so passionate about the business today. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but there's a tremendous amount of data proven discrimination in the hiring process. As an example, if you have a white sounding name, you have, you have a 50% better chance of getting callback than a non-white sounding name. And during the interview process, most likely if you're applying to an hourly job, you are going to receive between five and seven illegal questions during your first interview. Wow. And this isn't a, a, a small problem. This is a problem that's impacting the socioeconomic climate of the country. And we as technologists, and we as Sprockets are obsessed 
with reducing the amount of discrimination and bias, whether that's conscious or unconscious in the hiring process. And we feel very strongly by deploying screening technology, especially those that take cultural and things into consideration that you will ultimately make better hires for your bottom line, but also better hires for humanity, give a equitable hiring opportunity to people in your community and overall make the world a better place. And I know that's a super cliche thing to say, but when you talk about the why, yes, there's dollars and cents, particularly around venture where you're forced to scale at sometimes a ridiculous rate, but what's really driving our engine and keep, keeping us up at night and waking us up in the morning is that mission to make the hiring process better and more fair for everyone. AJ, that was really powerful. Thank you. It really resonated with me, uh, which brings me to another interesting question I wanted to ask you. So right now you might have a founder or a future founder or an existing founder that's you know listening to us. We're hit, we've hit our stride in this interview and you're d- delivering some great gems. And now this person, you've inspired that person, right? And now they're thinking about, is it the money or is it the why? Is it the money or is it the why? If you could, if you were talking to that person, if that person was in conversation with us right now, what would you tell that person? Would you tell them to do it for the money? And if so, why? Or would you tell them to do it for the why? And if so, how come? I think you have to do it for the why, um, especially if you're starting a business. Um, you know, I think that there's always an opportunity to make a lot of money if you work for somebody else. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that when you're your own boss, it's oftentimes the toughest boss you'll ever face because you're working incredibly long hours. There's little gratitude. You don't have your boss, you know, tapping your shoulder and building a business is incredibly difficult. You know, sometimes I wake up and I feel like from 9am to you know 6pm, I'm just getting punched in the face. And that's not an exaggeration. It, it will suck the marrow from your bones. And if you think that money is going to drive you to continue working, that's a short term gain when you really need to invest everything you have from your soul and you know, do so, uh, you know, in a passionate way that really requires that strong why to, you know, to put in the extra effort to put up with all the adversity and to truly build something special um, when, you know, the odds really are stacked against you. That was beautiful. The reason why I asked that question, it's been a really interesting question that we're having a lot of conversations around, uh, specifically on, on, on the, uh, the platform Clubhouse. I don't know if you've gone on there yet. And I was moderating a, a room and we had some heavy hitters in there, all eight-figure companies. And as I was moderating, I threw that question out there and we went down this beautiful rabbit hole. And, um, you know, no one answered it as beautifully as you just did. So I can't wait to uh, repurpose and re- snip this and send it back out to that particular audience that I have. But um, that was great because you really answered the question, do, the, do it for the why. And like you, know, like you said, you get beat up throughout the day. If you don't have that strong enough why, um, then, you know, the, you're going to just throw, you know, throw a towel in, so to speak. So that was beautiful. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is probably via um, LinkedIn. Um, so if you go to just AJ Rikiki on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me, especially if you put like in the connection note, uh, you know, we met on the Tony show. 
Um, I'll be sure to accept and would love to continue any dialogue you want. I mean, uh, there's been people who've been really kind in my career that have answered cold emails and cold LinkedIn messages that really helped, you know, be a driving force in, in what I'm doing now and certainly want to, to pay the favor back and, and help those who, who want it. Absolutely. And, you know, with a connection like you, um, you know, Dick could get some value gems that, you know, LinkedIn could help you connect you with that next life-changing client. It could help you connect, connect you with the next, you know, person who could change your life, right? If they can get connected with someone like you and you can give them a good tip, a solid advice or an intro. Um, that's really great. Thanks for putting that out there. And what's your website address? I'll have it in the show notes, but if you could just say it. Uh, yeah, it's sprockets.ai. Perfect. And as we're hitting our um, closing window, so to speak, if you want to wrap it up with the one word close, AJ, what's that one word you're feeling right now to describe as we're coming to an end? I'd say grateful. Thanks for having me on the show and hope that I was able to provide just a little bit of insight to hopefully um, encourage or inspire you to do something great today. Thank you, AJ. No, you certainly did. Um, I'm grateful to have you on the show and I can't wait to have you back on here again to talk about you know, to pick up this conversation uh, for everyone else to know what you're up to. And I'm sure you got some great wins that are in, in, in queue for you this year because you're, you're, you're up to some awesome things. So thank you again. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed it and great to have you. And thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode. Till next time, onwards and upwards.